Good morning. I'm here to talk about love, which is some people's idea of heaven, certainly. Jerry Maguire, does anybody remember that movie? Jerry Maguire? It was, uh, it was Renee Zellweger and uh, what's his face, Tom Cruise. And there's a scene that takes place in an elevator and he and Renee Zellweger are in the elevator and there's also another couple in the elevator that are using sign language. And they're signing and such and finally Tom Cruise wonders out loud what it is that the man is saying to the woman. And Renee Zellweger tells, leans over and says, she is telling, he is telling her, you complete me. Oh, I mean, how romantic is that? But it's crap. <laughs> it's also impossible. It's impossible. And so I'm informed that when I talked about this next little thing, uh, that movie Love Story, I said Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal was a great show, but that's not who was in Love Story. <laughs> It was that tall, dark-haired Ellie McGraw person. And remember when she looks at, and she says, oh, Oliver, love means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> also crap. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff out there that passes for romance and for love um, that may be romance, but it isn't love. It's not the love that we're talking about this morning. Because what I get from these is then I would be coming up to you and saying, I am incomplete. I've been incomplete until this moment that I met you and thank God I found you because now you can complete me. Yikes. I mean, in the first place, that's a real lot to ask of somebody else. It's a whole lot to ask of somebody else, and it's not going to work. For so many reasons, it's not going to work. Typically, what happens is that for many of us, that is our view of love. That's what we think that love is. We learned it um, way a long way ago, which we'll talk about in a minute. And so often what happens is that you have two people that kind of short us so up, but not really. Um, waiting for the other person to complete them and it doesn't happen, it doesn't work out like that and so you have people that are disappointed that either stay together or, or not but anytime we're looking for someone else to complete us first of all we're assuming that we need that and second of all we're outsourcing it it's never going to work it's never going to work because to the extent that I feel incomplete and expect you to complete me, it, it, it can't happen. It can't happen. Never can it happen. Because I view myself as missing something, that there's something wrong with me, that I'm flawed. And so what that's going to look like is that I'm going to disguise myself into someone who is not flawed. And then you might be doing the same thing. And so it ends up being like two ships passing in the night because we're both scared. And there's been a lot of books, there are a lot of books being written, this being one of them, 
Real Love by Greg Bear, a lot of movies, a lot of seminars, a lot of workshops, all talking about love, about how to love. And I think they're addressing the typical belief that love is about romance and it's about infatuation, but those things are not love. They may be very fun, but that's not what love is. That's a business transaction. It's saying that I will show up as an incomplete person, only we're not going to talk about that. And you're going to show up as an incomplete person, but we're not going to talk about that either. And then it's our respective jobs to complete the other person, but we're not going to talk about that part either. (laughs) So you can see how this is going to (laughs) work. Because love is an inside job. It's an inside job. And Greg Bear talks about real love being the ability to love someone else, to put someone else before you. I submit before you can do that, you have to feel complete yourself. Otherwise, you're looking all the time for your needs to get met, and there's no way in that scenario that you can love anybody else. Not really. Not completely, not fully. Not the kind of love that we're talking about here. So in this book, Greg, Real Love, this is it. And apparently he was at uh, Asilomar last week, or last week, last year. Might have been there last week, too. I don't know. Um, he talks about the concept, of course, is that we learned our idea of love, which we learned ideas of everything from our parents. And they learned it from their parents. And we also learned it using a child's mind and a child's interpretation of what we observed as events. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? So it's not a real clear-cut thing. But basically, as children, we interpret events, and we interpret looks, and we interpret faces, and we interpret tones, and then we make um, judgments based on that about what works and what doesn't, and typically about how good we are and how good we're not, and how to get looks that feel good that we interpret as love. So that's how it all begins. And... The biggest thing is we learn that praise equals love. We learn that praise equals love. It equals praise. It means you behave the way someone expected you to behave, but it doesn't denote love. Now, hopefully, our parents loved us. I mean, I think most parents love their kids, um, regardless of um, their ability or inability to show it, um, regardless of how they might um, discipline I believe that for the most part, um, people love their kids. How they show it and how they show the approval, disapproval, and the rules and all that stuff is something different. But I think it's important to keep in mind that as children, we interpret everything that way, and then we tend to carry that with us the rest of our lives. And sometimes it's not, it's not what, even what happened. It's not even what happened. So this isn't about... Uh, judging our parents. It's not about finding fault or blaming somebody. It's about recognizing that we might be operating with misinformation, which in some cases, in my case, could be based on just a look. My father had the look. Remember that story in the Bible about Jesus wanting, I think it was a fig, and it wasn't in season or something, and so he gave it a look and it fried the tree or whatever. My father could do that. 
and we didn't even have a fig tree. <laughs> he could still do that. Our parents probably loved us regardless. But that might not be what it looked like to me. It might not be what it looked like as children. So when we misbehaved, we got maybe disappointment. Maybe we got punished. Uh, maybe we got the look. And typically, that, was not, that didn't, wasn't paired with, I love you. Typically, it was instead of. Or typically, it seemed like it was instead of. And so you can see what happens is that we can start building this, uh, this body of evidence that tells us that there's something wrong with us, that there's something wrong with us. Because we understand that when we pleased our parents, um, they liked us, they loved us. And when we did something that displeased them, then they didn't. And again, I submit that uh, probably none of that's true. But that's how we start mis construing um, affection and approval for love because they're not the same thing. So then the result of that is that we have this feeling of incompleteness, that there's something wrong with us. And so then that brings us to the idea that we then want a relationship. We're looking for a soulmate. We're looking for that one person that completes the picture, that completes us. And it's a fruitless search. It's a fruitless search because, again, that's something that we have to do for ourselves. That's something we have to do for ourselves. And in Science of Mind, we would say that the first beginning is to recognize that what we are looking for, we already are. There is that within us that has always been perfect, has always been complete, and always will be. And there's nothing that a parent or a lack of parenting, or a punishment, or a lack of punishment, or any kind of, any kind of anything we could have done, nothing can change that. Nothing. And so that's the good news, right? That there's something in us that already is that, that we're seeking to express, that we're seeking to experience. Because love has to start with loving ourselves. And that can sometimes be an unpopular concept because it gets in the way of the whole self-sacrificing martyr thing. But it's really, uh, we can't truly love anybody until we love ourselves. And Bear puts it this way, you can't build a solid house on a rotten, shifting foundation. But if you were not unconditionally loved as a child, that's the foundation that you have. No effort you put into the walls, the windows, the doors will ever be fulfilling. You have to fix the foundation. As you find real love now, you can heal all the wounds, repair the foundation, and build the life that you've always wanted. And of course, in Science of Mind, we would say the foundation is our belief is our, our set of beliefs about ourself and about love. And so this journey to self-love is an individual journey. This journey to um, an experience of completeness is something that we all must do. doesn't mean we can't get support and help, but we all must do. It's not someone else's job to do it. 
And Bear talks about um, what we do as human beings given this premise that we feel incomplete, that we feel less than whole. And what we do is we develop what he calls getting and protecting behaviors. And I think that they will sound familiar. They, I know they certainly sounded familiar to me. I just heard somebody talk about it once. It's not me personally, of course. Because what it's about is these behaviors are designed to hide who we think we are, which is flawed. I know in speaking personally, in uh, my case, I lied. I lied about uh, soft spots. I lied about vulnerability. I lied, and by lied, I mean that I overcompensated for it. And so I would present as really, as really tough and really strong. And I am strong. I'm just not that tough. But that was a protecting behavior. A protecting behavior usually involves lying about who and what we are because we believe if we are seen for who we truly are, which is deeply flawed, that you'll leave. You won't love us. Just insert there. But that's what it's about. And so getting behaviors are those behaviors we use to try to fill our sense of emptiness. Protecting is hiding out by maybe adopting a behavior to overcompensate for what we feel we are lacking. And getting is a manipulation to try, which also involves lying. A getting behavior, for instance, might be that we present ourselves as helpless, um, which actually it used to be that women were taught to do. Because that way it made that big, strong man feel so much stronger and more powerful. (laughs) I was taught to do that. I remember my mother telling me that, confidentially telling me, "You um, you don't have to ask or say, tell him what you want. You have other ways that you can get it. <laughs> I know. Even then, I thought, ew. <laughs> Would you write those down? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so inherent in this whole thing, and, and, and it's heartbreaking, really. It's heartbreaking, really, is the more um, less than we feel, the more we try to outsource the filling up to someone else. And then the more empty and scarier it becomes because we already started putting ourselves one down. Now we've given all our power to you to try to fill us up. And what if you stop? What if you go away? That just confirms, first of all, I'm not getting filled up. And secondly, it just confirms that there was something wrong with me in the first place. I mean, it's just, it, there, there's just no way it can work. And even if you do love me and see me, and even if you do tell me that, there's no place for that to land in here. I don't believe you. Because if I don't love me, certainly you can't love me, so you must be lying. So you can see how it can become sort of a shadow boxing thing um, where people are trying to get um, love out here to feel loved in here, and it's, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. Bear writes that um, our society virtually revolves around the principles of guilt and anger. We don't teach a lot about love, We teach a lot about rules. 
which kind of goes back to what we learn as children about what the right way and wrong way to behave is, and then we interpret that as us being lovable or not lovable. It gets bigger than that. It's societal. And if we look around, we can see that. We're really big on rules. And they revolve around the principles of guilt and anger, which, of course, just creates blame and shame, which just exacerbates what we're already talking about, which is that something is missing, that we're broken, that there's something wrong. And so this doesn't do any good at all. I mean, absolutely no good. So the idea is to accept personal responsibility to, for what we feel about ourselves, what we think about ourselves, and then do what we need to do to change that view. Because only then can we show up in a relationship as our true selves. And we don't have to feel like we're perfect human-wise going into it. Just being human is good enough. Just learning to love ourselves is good enough. And learning to accept all those spots in our own selves that we deem um, aren't good enough. Because it is only then that I can love you. It is only then that I can accept love from you. Because if we all wait until we think we're absolutely perfect on the human plane, that's, I think that's going to be a long time. So it's unconditional love, which in my view is redundant. Either it's unconditional or it's something else. It's just love. Unconditional love is just love. Everything else is an imitation and it has to do with attachment. Deepak Chopra wrote a book, The Path to Love, and in it he lists some examples of imitation love. I want to share them with you. The first one is, I love you as long as you stay the same. I love you if you love me. It's my personal favorite. I love you if you don't scare me too much. I love you as long as you love me. So obviously these are all conditions, right? Every, every single one. I call it faux love because there's attachments to all of it. Attachment requires acquiescing to my needs and desires. while love allows somebody to be completely unlike me. Attachment has demands designed to make me feel whole. Love doesn't have any demands at all. And how many of us learned this as children? Probably not very many. Probably not very many. So a basic teaching in science of mind is that thoughts are things and that our thought is creative. And Nancy said a few minutes ago something about changing your entire life simply by changing your mind. We don't have to alter who we are because who and what we are is perfect. What we need to alter is how we view who and what we are. And one way to do that is to remember that there's something in us that already knows exactly that. 
there is something in us that has always known exactly who we are. We're expressions of the divine. There's a spark of divinity in every single one of us, and there isn't a single thing that has ever happened in anybody's life that can take that away. Nothing. That is the truth of every single being on this planet. It always has been. It always will be. So our job isn't to rebuild ourselves into something perfect. Our job is to remember who we are. And in doing so, we can learn to love ourselves. And then, when you forget who you are, I can remind you. And then I'm in the position to love you. Does that make sense? This isn't anything that we have to recreate. It's already who and what we are. And I like to say that we are here because of love. In the Bible, it says, For God so loved the world. We are the love of God. And I think it's our job to express the love of God, which to me means love the same way that I believe the infinite does. This is not an error-free life here. I believe that God loves me anyway. Always has, always will. And I think that each one of us has that same capacity. Because I think we're here to love. I love you all. Let us pray. And so in this moment of remembering, I'm remembering that regardless of what the question, love is the answer. It is all that there is. That one thing that is everything, expressing as all that has ever been or will ever be. I know that means me. I know the truth of me is love. That there's nothing missing, nothing that needs to be fixed. The love that is the infinite, spirit, God, whatever we call it, is me. And because I know that's all there is, I know it means every single person in this room all the infinite, all God, all love, all the time. And knowing this to be the truth that love is all there is, I speak this word for and about everyone in this room this morning, affirming and knowing our willingness to remember who we are, our willingness to trust that there is a beauty, there is a wholeness, there is a divinity that is the truth of every single one of us. And to the extent that we may have forgotten or from time to time we forget, I affirm a willingness to trace our way back to that remembering, knowing that that space, even now, is being held by that one who only knows us as love. I affirm in doing this, we change the planet, one person at a time, beginning with ourselves. And in gratitude for this knowing, I release this word, knowing it's done. I let it be. And so it is. Thank you.